Every now and then, I meet someone who's changing the world for the better by their sheer will alone. Whether they're authors, activists, or adventurous, these people are blazing a path with their deep enthusiasm and allowing the world to follow. Their passion is strong, and my passion is to tell their stories. I am Brian Platt, and this is Passion Project. Today I talk with Sam Blunt, owner of Frontline Freediving, a dive shop in Wilmington, North Carolina, which specializes in freediving and spearfishing equipment and lessons. I met Sam a few months ago during his spearfishing competition. I knew that I wanted to chat with him about the science behind freediving and the art of spearfishing. It was a really great episode, and Sam really knows his stuff. I'm very excited to take a freediving class with him in the future. So, thanks for listening. This is Passion Project. Thanks, Sam, for sitting down with me. I appreciate you having me. Looking forward to this. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Um, it's cool. So, yeah, let's get started. Um, you know, I've been interested in freediving for a while. I've done it uh, once before to very little success. Yeah. Uh, but I want, I'd like to do it again. I'd like to, you know, it's really fascinating to me. Um, so, yeah, so let's get started on kind of on your background of like how, you know, what were you doing before you opened the shop? Uh, what sparked your interest in freediving? Um, yeah, kind of get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, so uh, before I, you know, opened the shop, I was just kind of a recreational Spiro. Uh, the first time I really went out was out of Wilmington here, uh, back in probably 2012. I got invited out with some people and went out to a frying pan tower. It was my first trip, shot oh, some nice. fish, and kind of been hooked ever since. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard a lot about frying pan tower, but I've been it's a cool place, man. Um, and it's a great spot for newer spear fishermen as well because oh, really? it is a little shallower. Um, you know, it is tough conditions, but you do get the chance to, you know, progress and shoot some good fish out there. Oh, cool. Do you know what you um, what you caught your first time, or did you catch anything yeah. the first time? Uh, the first fish I shot was an African pompano. Oh, and nice. Those are was, big. Yeah, it was probably a thirty pound fish. Wow, that was my first real fish for sure. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. <laughs> it was fun. A lot of learning experiences that trip. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So so you went out first, and then you were hooked right away. Um, and then what? You, you Did you start your shop? Uh, did you think about starting the shop then? Or? No, actually, that kind of was a later decision. Yeah. I, you know, just sort of treated it like a hobby and went traveling as I could. And dove, dove a lot out of Moorhead City and nice. up there a good bit. So then uh, finally moved down here in 2014 to Wilmington and started, you know, going to school and then I was just diving as much as I could. That summer I became a free dive instructor and started teaching, kind of traveled wherever I wanted to. I'd list a class. I taught in Wyoming and Costa Rica and a few other places in Florida. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so when, you know, kind of came time to make a life decision, I decided to open the shop or, you know, it's kind of between opening the shop or going back to school and I decided to open the shop. Yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> it wasn't a tough decision. Yeah, seriously. Wyoming, interesting. Obviously, you know, there's, there's you know, desire for people to do it all over the place, but that's not the first place you think of. Yeah, no, and it it was really, it was amazing. You know, you, you're diving at like 6,000 feet, so, you know, you do a 40-foot dive, and it feels like a 60-foot dive or 80-foot dive. Oh, interesting. But, you know, one of the lakes I would dive in, you'd pop up, and the Tetons would be right behind you, so... You know, Grand Teton's like two mountains over, and then you have some of the smaller ones uh, right in front of you. It was wow. at Jenny Lake out there. It must have been surreal. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we even dove the Snake River. So we 
put in kind of where the fishermen started and oh, really? we swam down the river just drifting and you know going through rapids and it was, wow it was a blast wow how deep yeah. does that get um i think the deepest we ever went in the river was like 16 feet but it's just crazy to be in a fast moving yeah river. yeah that's really cool yeah it was fun um well cool so it sounds like you could have opened your shop anywhere why why did you choose wilmington out of anywhere else uh you know i I moved here for a few reasons. You know, I wanted to be in the South and the spearfishing here is pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough. It is rough. A lot of the times it is a little deeper diving, but you know, it's kind of worth it. And then there's nothing really in the area. So, you know, kind of between Georgia and Boston, there's not a ton of competition. And so that was sort of one of the other aspects that brought me here. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's, um, I saw a few videos online of like, just and I'm completely new, but just like the sheer size of what you can catch off the coast mm-hmm. is it's pretty good pretty remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so what so yeah, what have you seen off the coast of Wilmington or just North Carolina in general, um, that you might not see anywhere else, or you see in, you know, bigger sizes or more volume or yeah, um you know, our our hogfish population's really healthy, African Pompano are really healthy, and those are the two that kind of stand out if yeah. you compare to like Virginia or Florida kind of go in either direction. Um, but you know, it's an amazing place. We're sort of the Northern boundary for a lot of Southern fish like black grouper. And then we're also the Southern boundary for a lot of Northern fish, which is like tall tog and you know, striped bass and some cold water fish. Oh, nice. So it's, it's a really interesting location. Uh, we have massive spiny lobster. Uh, my biggest so far is like 15 pounds. Wow. You know, compared to the normal, like, you know, half pounders you get down in South Florida. Yeah. Yeah, you. Um, yeah, I met you with uh, the spear diving competition, mm-hmm. and one of the categories was spiny lobsters. Yes. And I think one of them I saw was like only eight, not only, but eight pounds, mm-hmm. and it was huge. Yeah, I'd call six to eight pounds probably our average here. Yeah. You know, my buddy Mark just got a 13-pounder this past year. So. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen, again, just seen videos of people uh, picking those up, and they seem like they're just so powerful when they try and get away from you. Yeah, they definitely can be. Um, yeah, when Mark grabbed that 13-pounder, he said it pulled him into the ledge as he was trying to pull it Oh, out. wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all muscle. Mm-hmm. That whole tail is just muscle. Yeah, and then, you know, they're under a crack, and their legs at that point are, you know, kind of similar to a oh, king right. crab legs. Okay, yeah. So they just stand up in there and oh, lock wow. themselves in. Yeah, and I mean, the name would imply, but they're super, they're really, you have to wear gloves, right? They're yeah, really I'd, I would recommend it. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so in addition to Wilmington, you mentioned other places, but where else have you been uh, spearfishing that you really liked? Uh, I like some of the more remote places in the Bahamas. Uh, yeah. You know, Costa Rica was nice, kind of a totally different environment down there. Yeah. Uh, you know, spearing in Wyoming was actually a blast, diving in some of those clear lakes up there. Yeah, I can you know, out there you can you can shoot game fish in Wyoming. It just has to be in you know, stand, standing water, so lakes or ponds are okay. Oh, wow. And it was pretty neat to... You know, shoot some fish out. Like walleye was my first freshwater fish out there. Oh wow! Is there any difference between freshwater and and um, you know saltwater spear fishing? Yeah, the you know the freshwater stuff's a lot shallower generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fish are going to be, you know, they're not as easy to predict. I think, or at least you know, I only did it once, so I'm yeah, not, okay. you know, I didn't spend a ton of time out there. But it it was very different than saltwater spear fishing. You know the way. I did stuff to call in fish that would work in salt water, but didn't seem to work very well in fresh water. Oh, wow. What do you mean call in fish? Um, like grouper calls. You can make kind of a grunting noise, <laughs> something like really? that. Or you can scratch the ground if 
or play with rocks, kind of grind rocks together. Wow. And if you look down at the sand below you and scratch some rocks together, a lot of times when you pick your head up, there will be fish kind of coming in close to you. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah, fish are real intuitive with eye contact. So if, you know, you were to stand in front of someone and square your shoulders and look at them, it, it seems aggressive. Uh, and fish respond to that the same way. They know where you're looking. And they'll, you know, as soon as you look at a fish, you'll see them start to turn away. Wow. So, so you, you automatically you call them and then immediately you have to... You um, have not to... necessarily immediately. You just got to work on your body language. You know, if you kind of see one out of the corner of your eye and you turn real quick and start swimming towards it, it's going to, you know, react to that and start moving away. But if you kind of pick a point in the distance or, you know, 10 feet in front of the fish and you both kind of meet there, that's going to generally have a lot more success. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So, yeah, when I went... When I went, there was, you know, we didn't see anything really. Um, but we uh, we eventually got a flounder. So that was a little bit cheating. You know, yep. we dove down and, and saw it move and then we were able to shoot it. Was that here? No, that was in the, uh, that was in the Philippines. And I just, oh, cool. It was really random. Um, but uh, we ate it. And then there was also, we found a clam or something that we ate too. Nice. It's nice. Hey, it's good you got something. From what I hear, it's pretty overfished, especially near population centers there. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, when we went when we went down a few times, you could hear explosions in the distance. Oh, yeah. I heard that was like dynamite fishing. Yep, they do dynamite fishing. I think they use cyanide. They even pump that into the into the reef, and so all the fish die in there. Wow, pretty wild kind wow. of stuff they do over there. I didn't. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, that it was definitely um, a lot of it was barren. You could see a lot of rubble, mm-hmm. um, and I did some good dives there too. Nice. Um, you know, scuba diving, uh, there's like thresher sharks, which is great. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was really cool, but that was in a different, I mean, there's 9,000 islands, I think. Yeah. You know? So there's tons of islands, though. It was in a completely different island. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a different experience. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, cool. So in addition to um, like being a great spearfisher, you're also a really good uh, photographer. Um, do you have a favorite place to, to photograph? Do you have a favorite fish or... Not necessarily. Um, I really enjoy capturing kind of people's best experiences. You know, like yeah. so the other day playing with the dolphins. You know, one of the, a couple of the guys that were there had never seen a dolphin. Really, wow. like played with a dolphin in the water before. Um, Where were you? We were forty miles out, or fifty miles out, I guess. Wow. Uh, we were out in the Gulf Stream, and yeah. you know, the Atlantic spotted dolphins aren't very playful usually, mm-hmm. but this time. You know, we dolphin kicked and did some spins and flips and whatnot, and they came in and started playing with us for about an hour. Wow. So I had a lot of time to you know, interact, and it was it was pretty cool being studied. Like, you can tell they're trying to figure you out and playing wow. with you, and so it's, it's cool. Um, you know, the Bahamas is always nice. Like, the cleaner the water, the easier it is to take better pictures. Yeah. Um, you know, there's less particles. You can shoot a little further away. Mm-hmm. But I guess probably my true passion with underwater photography. I don't know why, but I really love group photos on shipwrecks. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, it gives you a chance to tell the story of the wreck, but also just, you know, hanging out with your buddies on a shipwreck. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a few of those photos. Yeah. Um, I think it was you. I couldn't really tell from the picture, but with, you you know, everyone's sitting on the side of a shipwreck, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. Yeah. How deep are those wrecks around here? Uh, every, our shallowest wreck, uh, I think about 25 to 30 feet to the top and then all the way out to, you know, there's some in a couple hundred feet, so. Wow. Um, you know, we dive, we dive the ones out to like 120 feet are kind of the consistent ones we'll hit the blue water X. Wow. Um, 
you were mentioning uh, with the Dolphins. Did you call them? Were they there already? Was there? A... Uh, so they were kind of swimming by, okay. and it was interesting because a bunch of you know uh, false albacore swimming by. And you could kind of see them down there, and all of a sudden we started hearing clicks. And I don't know, one was following the other. You know, the Dolphins yeah, were yeah. chasing the tuna, but yeah, they kind of kept their distance. And then I dipped down and started doing some dolphin kicks and did a spin, and all of a sudden the whole pod came racing in, and then they stayed with us for about an hour. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the guys spearfishing were getting pretty upset because the dolphins would dive down with the hunters and kind of sit next to them, and so none of the fish were around when that was happening. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, they yeah. seem pretty curious, too. Yeah, they're cool animals. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, I've only gone diving with them, and they happen to be in the area once, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely not curious, and they just they're never going to keep up with the dolphins. Yeah, so. That was only the second time you know, any of us had experienced that. So. How, um, what is the temperature? I mean, right now it's kind of late October. What's the temperature in the um, Gulf Stream? Oh, it was 82, I think. Wow. Or 80, something like that. Yeah. Pretty warm. Um, and I mean, you know, two years ago we were out in December and, you know, we were chipping ice off the boat, but once we got out there, it was, you know, 80 degree water and the air was 75. Wow. Um, you know, that Gulf Stream running up from Florida just brings yeah. a lot of hot water up for us. That's wild. Yeah. So um, do you do you still wear a wetsuit then? or? Is that- mm-hmm. um, so, you know, as... As free divers, I don't know if you got into kind of the mammalian dive reflex in your class. No. But our body reacts to submersion in water the same way a whale or a seal or a dolphin's body does. We get, you know, our heart rate can slow down by as much as 50%. So your resting heart rate can drop by, you know, into the 30s and 40s. Uh, you get blood shunting or blood shift, similar to when you get cold. So your blood shifts down into your core, keeping that blood where you want it instead of using it for your extremities. Wow. Uh, if you've ever been in the pool or in the water and you notice you have to use the restroom a good bit more, um, that's actually your dive reflex. Your blood is shunting, your body is shunting blood into your core, which makes your kidneys think there's too much fluid and so they try to flush. Wow, uh, interesting. And, and there's a bunch of other things that, you know, kind of come from that, but they allow us to do these, you know, ridiculously deep dives, especially for like uh, competitive free divers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the 130 meters is like the deepest dive now. Wow pretty wild yeah seriously i went um again just scuba diving and i think i was at uh, maybe 40 meters i was mm-hmm. proud of that nice so 130 yeah. is ridiculous yeah um that's awesome yeah um so for someone just getting into free diving and spearfishing um what, what would you recommend so there's sort of two routes you can take um the route i took was kind of the slow and very unsafe route. Uh, so, you know, we started spearfishing, we would run out and, you know, we got to the point where we were spearfishing 80 feet and we were you know, doing incredibly with no safety, you know, you know, very, very dangerous. Yeah. And there's the way that I wish I had done it. Uh, and I would always recommend a free diving class or at a minimum, find a buddy who's taken a class and learn the safety from them. Uh, so, you know, when you do, go to take a free dive class, take your time and pick out a good instructor. You know, my first class, I flew all the way down to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, oh, wow. to take a class with Ted Hardy, uh, simply because he had had such a good reputation, especially on the safety side. Mm-hmm. And that long term has sort of bled into my classes. I think you mm-hmm. know, like we were just talking about, safety really is what I truly care about. Yeah, you know, we spend a lot of time on technique and you know breathing and all that stuff, but the biggest thing is staying safe. Yeah, um, you know, from there it's there's some great YouTube uh, or you know, YouTube videos you can watch, uh, Adam Stern or Adam Freediver on YouTube. He's put out a ton of great information, you know, how to breathe properly, how to do safeties, how to perform rescues. 
And it's good to find someone that's doing that right. There's a lot of bad information out there, so make sure you pick and choose your sources. Yeah. Um, You know, from there, it's getting out there and actually diving. There is some dry land training you can do, apnea walks, uh, diaphragm stretches, CO2 and O2 tables. But really the best thing you can do is just get out there and spend some time offshore with good dive buddies. Yeah, it seems like um, like safety is just such a such a huge concern here, uh, you know, because I don't know. I mean, there's so many things that could go wrong. Yeah. So it's one of the biggest things to, um, to make sure you've got a good instructor, at least a good background. Yeah, and then also picking your dive buddies. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've sort of gotten to the point where I've instituted a zero tolerance policy. So if I catch someone doing a dive alone, it's they're on the boat for the day. Oh, wow. And, you know, the thing about the sport is it's very, very safe. If you do it right and have a good safety who understands that their sole job is your, you're their sole responsibility. Mm-hmm. So, like, if their dream fish swims by, they can't shoot it. They have to focus on making sure you're safe during okay. your dive. You know, complacency is sort of an easy thing to fall into. I just saw my first blackout after, you know, seven years of hard diving. And, you know, I've been an instructor. I've, you know, taught classes all over. And this was the first time I've ever experienced that. But seven years later, I needed to be prepared from my, when I took my class. You know, so like it, it could be seven years. It could be 50 years before you see a blackout. But every single dive, you have to be ready and prepared for it. Yeah, that's another thing that's probably pretty, um, got to be pretty stressful is, you know, that could happen to anyone, you know, yeah. at any point if you're not doing it right. So, yeah, and that's it, you know, we men, the mentality of your dive buddies is key. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a buddy that's super gung ho and is going to leave you if a fish swims by, don't dive with him. You right. know, he's not going to have your back if something goes wrong. Right. But find guys that care, find guys that never want to have to explain to your family what happened. And those are the guys that you should dive with. Yeah, yeah, I was looking into, um, obviously I looked in a lot of dive shops, but your uh, frontline free diving was very highly regarded in terms of safety. Um, you know, there's a lot of reviews talking about how, how you know, importantly, this, how important this is to you, how seriously you take it. So that's really important. Yeah, um, Yeah. I also read that you have these, these trauma kits that um, it doesn't yeah. sound like you've had to um, use much, which is great. Yeah, it, it's actually kind of been awesome. Um, you know, I tell people when they buy one, I hope it's the biggest waste of money they ever spend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, one thing with trauma kits I, I noticed is they're all hard to travel with. You know, they're all Pelican cases or they're organized in bags or, you know, however it is. So we we made a dry bag, 10 liter dry bag, so there's some extra room in there. Um, and everything's organized in this rollout sleeve. So each item has a pocket. Uh, and we start from most severe, working our way down to, you know, Band-Aid style injuries. Yeah, okay. So we start with massive bleeding. So we start with the tourniquet and a hemostatic gauze, um, working our way down. We even have a splint in there. So, you know, if you broke your arm or whatever, you could splint it up. Yeah. Um, there's even burn dressing. So if you're on a remote island somewhere and you step in a hot fire pit the next day and you burn the bottom of your foot, you've at least wow. got something there. everything. To, yeah, you know, I designed it after the IFAC or the individual first aid kit we used in the military. Um, oh, cool. And so that's sort of where a lot of the stuff came from. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely, a, you know, especially spear fishing safety is probably a, a huge concern too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's good that you've covered all the bases and hopefully, you know, never have to use those. Yeah, those I, hope, I hope I never see them used. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you kind of alluded to it, but you were in the Marines for nearly four years, mm-hmm. right? So uh, was there anything you learned there that helped you... Um, with free diving or with opening a shop or with instructing or 
Uh, I, I would say the biggest things are, you know, the instruction. So I, I'd already been comfortable teaching, mm-hmm. you know, some classes, uh, you know, the medical side. And then the biggest thing is, you know, we always talk about complacency kills. And it, it really seems to go like that in every, you know, action sport or anything like that where you kind of do put your life on the line. You know, if you're a base jumper and you don't pack your shoot right, right, you got complacent, now you're going you know, to smack the ground or something. Right, so. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense for freediving. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so it kind of alluded to it earlier, but a big initiative um, for you, it seems like, is the front line uh, at front line is the Carolina Lionfish Derby. Is that something you started about last year, right? Yeah, I started it last year. Uh, unfortunately, we had terrible weather. Um, so okay. I think I'm going to move it sort of into the summer of this year. Uh, what I had hoped is that it would get people excited for you know, grouper opening in May. Yeah. Um, so, you know, lionfish are invasive species that have bloomed, you know, bloomed into this massive issue. Uh, you know, they're breeding re- you know, rapidly. They eat a ton of food. Yeah. And they're everywhere. I think New York to Brazil now. Wow. In the Atlantic, and there's no natural predators, which is the issue. Yeah. So then, you know, a lot of places are trying to train, you know, big snapper and grouper and sharks and eels to eat the lionfish because they do. They are venomous. They're trying to train them. Mm-hmm. Um, so wow. you know, like I was in Belize last year, and uh, you know, we would shoot the lionfish, mm-hmm. and the guys would find a nurse shark or something like you know some other predator, and they would try and feed the lionfish to it to teach them to eat those fish. Very That's the hope. Wow. Are they um, are they poisonous? Uh, they have, they're venomous. Um, they have, I think it's four of their fins: the dorsal, the pectoral, and the anal fin have uh, spines in them that inject venom. Wow. So you know, if you bump into them, generally you'll get a hit. Um, and it is heat soluble, so if you do ever get one, um, if you can take you know heat up some water as hot as you can stand it and like pour it on there. Oh wow! Or you know heat packs, whatever you can do, it'll help kind of break up that toxin. Yeah, they're not cre- incredibly dangerous to humans from what I've read. Um, I think there's been a few people that, you know, kind of, you know, some older folks that I'm, may have had some cardiac arrest from it and okay. stuff, but wow. generally it's just a, a lot of pain. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. So what made you, um, what made you want to do that? Like, was that kind of your idea? Did you borrow that from somewhere else? Is it- um, there's, there's a lot of them all over the country, yeah. uh, you know, in the Bahamas, the Caribbean, I think there's people putting them on kind of everywhere. Uh, and then just last year I, I started to notice a lot more. Wow. Okay. And so, you know, figured, you know, something we can all do as a community to hopefully make our waters a little better long-term. So, and I could be wrong, but they're, they're actually pretty good eating, right? Oh, they're delicious. Really? Yeah. Every, everything from raw to cooked that they're tasty every way I've had them. Wow, that's that's awesome. Yeah, count me in for the next time you do nice. that. Will do. Austin noticed that like divers are oftentimes naturalists. I mean, you've got to you know, obviously love where you are, love you know, appreciate what you're um, what you're seeing every day. Mm-hmm. Is there any um, species you don't go after when you're uh, spearfishing? Is there any kind of um, thing you avoid um, based on declining populations? So there's not a lot of that happening here sort mm-hmm. of toward the critical level as far as I understand um, now this could be wrong the red grouper population I think has gotten a little slim mm-hmm. uh, so I know a lot of guys are starting to kind of pass up the red grouper and let them live oh interesting uh, but other than that everything seems to be pretty healthy hmm. you know we we don't like to overtake a lot of times we won't hit a spot more than you know once three times a year so we try to move around and you know 
spread out the pressure that we're putting on the fish. Gotcha. Well, that's awesome. So I see you're uh, leading the way in the Brian Davis Artificial Reef Project. Um, it's a great initiative for a friend that actually passed away in the summer of 2017. Um, how did the project come about, and what are you most excited about with it? Um, I'll start with what I'm most excited about. Uh, honestly, just being able to dive that wreck with my buddies. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a special thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of came about... It's probably within three days after he passed. It might have been you know a day or two. Um, yeah, I think people mourn differently, and like we were all just sitting around, and I can't remember who said it, but they were like, "Why don't we sink a ship?" Um, and this was sort of inspired by a group of guys who uh, lost another friend a few years ago. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but they sank the ship ten or eleven years ago. Um, it's called the Greg Mickey. It's out by Frying Pan Tower. Uh, wow. It's some of those wreck photos you've seen were on oh, that wreck. Nice. Okay. Um, and so they were sort of our inspiration, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and just our whole little crew decided we were going to do it and, you know, raise some money and been bugging the state for the last year and a half, I guess, year and a few months. Right. So finally, two weeks ago, uh, we finally got the approval. So they're going to sink, we're going to donate the money and then they're going to help help fund and do the process and they're going to sink the ship somewhere between July 2019 and June 2020. So that's sort of the project dates. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, it's, you know. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that's a great, uh, I'm sure I'd really appreciate that. Um, Yeah, you know, I've never met him, but uh, Brian seemed like a really cool guy. Yeah. Uh, Very into free diving. He was the founder of the UNCW charter of a spearfishing club. Um, For those that didn't know him, myself personally uh what would you what would you say about him no he was just a genuinely good good dude you know he's one of those guys that's just always smiling always happy uh, usually he brought a lot of happiness to wherever he was i would say yeah um, he was so he was as aw- an awesome enough dude that you know the whole community scuba free dive everybody came together and it's kind of been a amazing to see since then yeah uh, yeah he affected a lot of people i'd say yeah that's great that's an incredible way to um you know remember him um well cool you know about uh you know what what is your personal best in um you know free diving what how deep have you gotten what is like a good day of free diving for you um my deepest dive is 140 feet and my longest statics 506 um wow five minutes, six seconds. I personally don't like statics. And then the one downside of North Carolina is to get depth. We have to run quite a ways. So we don't get the opportunity to just free dive deep very often. Um, generally when we head out there, you know, when we run 60 miles, we're all wanting to Chihuahua or, you know, do some right, spear okay, fishing yeah, yeah. out there. So very, you know, it's not too common. We get to do that here. Wow. When you said 145, uh, 140, 140. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. How long did that take you? How many years of practice did that take you? Uh, I haven't really been training depth or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I just sort of like spearfishing a little deeper. Okay, yeah. And so that's, you know, we were always spearfishing, you know, 60 to 100, 100, 120 feet sometimes. Yeah. And so, you know, when I finally got to, you know, not have a spear gun and not be worried about, you know, 
body language and all this stuff. I was just focused on staying relaxed and doing a free dive. Gotcha, gotcha. It kind of all came together, I guess. Um, I'm hoping this year or next year I'll have an opportunity to really do some free dive training and kind of see where I can take it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Yeah, so what's your favorite thing that you've caught, uh, thing you're most proud of that you've... That's a good one. Um <laughs> Or the thing that comes to mind first? I guess the thing that came to mind was probably my biggest fish or yeah. my first fish. Um, first was the AP, First right? was the AP. Yeah. Um, and it was a really sharky day. And so... Sharky day. So the, the sharks were really active. Oh, wow. Um, so we we were actually diving in threes. So one person would shoot a fish and then the other two people would take turns swimming down to protect that fish while you were finding it. Wow. So they'd go down and like poke some sharks, keep them away. Wow. So that was... Yeah, either that or uh, I was spearfishing off Moorhead with a good buddy, mm-hmm. uh, and we he actually runs beyond free diving up there. He's another really good instructor. But we were out, and uh, my girlfriend at the time popped up, and she had she said there was a few sharks down there, and so you know I dove down, and these sharks, which ended up being cobia, swam out from under this ledge, and it was probably the biggest fish to date I've wow. seen in the water, and you know close the close the gap and put a shot into it and um, pretty spectacular battle, if you will. So what happened, like if that's super deep down, what happens, you know, is there any point you have to surface? And Yeah, so, uh, you know, as free divers, our biggest concern is breathing or getting back to air. Right. So we use two methods. Um, there's a float and float line where either your gun or your shaft is connected to a floating rope, essentially, to a float. So you shoot the fish, you either leave the gun if it's, you know, in line or if it's a breakaway rig you hold on to your gun and swim to the surface wow, okay and then from there you can start fighting the fish right okay. while it's dealing with the buoy you're heading up to the surface uh, and then there's another method which is a little less safe but usually more convenient and that's using a reel um, so that's generally my preferred method but you do have to be careful uh, line management comes into play a lot it's easy to get tangled up and if you're fighting a big fish you get tangled up it you know drown drown you or drag you under wow um, so it is something you need to be careful of uh, so with the reel, think of it more like a fly fishing reel. So it's for line storage, not necessarily for fighting the fish, like a fishing reel. Mm-hmm. So you shoot the fish, and either way, you swim straight to the surface. Um, some people will go and like swim towards the fish or try to grab the fish. Personally, I'd rather breathe. Right. Um, so I'd head up for air and then start fighting the fish from there. Wow, interesting. And how long, let's say that cobia, how long did that take you to reel in? Um you know, when you have uh, a lot of adrenaline flowing through your body, you right. don't time sort of warps. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd call it 15 to 20 minutes, uh, maybe. Wow. I'm I'm not too sure on that, though. Were you exhausted after that? Yeah. Because uh, you're treading water and you're... Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're fighting the fish, you're treading water, and then, you know, you go to grab the fish and it just beats you up more. Right. Um, and then, so finally I was able to bleed it, and so it started to slow down. And okay, then, okay. You know, Eventually, I, I have no idea how long it was, but finally got it in the boat and uh, caught a caught a catch. Yeah, that's about that sounds about as sustainable as it gets. Like, there's no way you can you know do that all day every day. Yeah, no, uh, definitely not. And you know, it is you know talking about sustainability. You're you know you're picking out just the fish you want. You're not catching mm-hmm. anything else. No you're bycatch. Not, yeah, there's no bycatch. It's you know just you're picking out single fish, and that's what you take home and cook and share with your friends. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I'm excited to uh, start taking classes with you and hopefully learn how to free dive and and spearfish a little bit. I think that'd be really cool. It's going to be awesome.
Looking well, forward to introducing you to the waters here. Yeah. Well, thanks, Sam. I really appreciate um, you sitting down with me. Uh, this has been super insightful, and I'm excited just to keep learning more. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, for sure. Take care.